This weekend saw a soap Silverstone switch several circumstances for the title hopefuls in a crucial penultimate weekend that saw one of us come home sodden. So yes, one of us that was there was this weekend and it wasn't me. How wet did you get? It was me. Hello everybody. Uh, I have just about dried out I think. Uh, race 3 was incredibly wet. Oh, it made for some brilliant entertainment though, didn't it? It did. I mean, race 2 was nice. We found a nice spot to stand on and it was all quite nice. We, I put my sunglasses on at one point because oh. it was sunny. And then by the end of the race I was huddled up, the wind was battering me, my parker was up over my head. <laughs> It was horrendous, but I did also get on TV, so you know, for a very brief shot on race three, you can see my back, so... Right behind Louise. Right behind Louise on the grid, so happy uh, days. So you didn't take an umbrella with you this weekend? Uh, I was rather hoping that I'd get one given to me, but no, I did not. Um, and to be fair, it's only been blown out my hands onto the track, so... Yeah. Obviously you were a guest of PMR this weekend, how was that? It was very nice indeed, yeah, guest of PMR, not related to the pod, I should point out, although we are always open to uh, yep. to these things. Uh, no, I went to my dad this weekend, so we had a nice time with PMR and Plato and Collard, uh, and to see first hand really, Plato is a completely different man this year, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. he's so much more relaxed, much more approachable, yep. uh, and James Martin's very polite, so Ooh, there we go, that's yeah. sort of my take home messages. I know both of them are good friends, yep. um, I think James joined him at the last or at Truxton actually yeah I think he did um, but yeah Plato looks a lot happier yeah. towards well, the end of this year he's eating um, the same steak I was for lunch that was gorgeous was yeah. it yeah lovely oh, steak I can't nice. yeah no it was a good, good day all round uh, even though the weather was particularly poor uh, some good racing yeah well we said Plato was happy and in the qualifying report we'll find out why qualifying report so yes, first pole of the year and first pole since 2017 for Jason Plato. At the newly uh, resurfaced Silverstone track, which Mr Plato of course is a director uh, of the BRDC at Silverstone. Yeah, home um, advantage some might say. Uh, most of these drivers work at a track, don't yeah. they, in one capacity or the other. I don't buy into all this, you know, they can, they're not allowed to race the racing car around there. Um, and I say most, I mean Bobby Thompson works at Brands Hatch as a uh, driver. I think Adam Moffat works a little bit of Knock Hill from yep, time to time does. as well. Obviously, Shedden used to be director of Knock Hill. He's very yeah, high and, up and Butcher's Hill. dad owns the circuit. So yeah, I'm not. I don't. I'm not concerned. Most of these drivers do tests or yep. races. Otherwise, um, something in the Q and A Plato did say is that uh, because of this resurfaced track, he believes it to be the best surface in mm. world motorsport. He says it's phenomenal to race on. Yeah. Well, he looked quick all weekend. He was fastest mm. in free practice one and two. Dominated. Um, this is his 51st pole position in British Touring Cars, yep. which is a pretty good feat. We know he's been in it a long time, um, and it looks like he's back to somewhere near his competitive best. Well, he absolutely dominated the two practice sessions completely. Mm. You know, was really close to him during those sessions. Um, and he also said uh, that he got this uh, qualifying without uh, assistance of a toe. He, no, he just he put his head down, got some clear air, and just went for it. Um, and I have to say, the PMR guys have sort of tuned and adapted that car superbly throughout the year. They've really got stronger as the year's gone on, isn't it, haven't they? Do you think they've tuned it more towards Plato looking at the performance of Collard? Um, I just think perhaps Plato knows what to get out of the car more than Collard does. Mm. Collard is very used to rear-wheel drive yeah. and um, saloon cars. I know he's obviously raced hatchbacks as well. Yeah. Um, but I think Collard is, has had several years at BMW now where he's got used to the, the rear-wheel drive and Plato back in the front-wheel drive car, I think he just He's still got the same engineer as yeah. well for he's had 21 years ago at Vox, so he's took took them back. So I, I think Plato is just a bit more perhaps race crafty to get that car set up in, in the way he wants it to. Well, alongside him on the front row, front row was Chris Smiley, his best qualifying of the year yeah. um, in a car that we've known has been quick all year. Yeah. Um, and as you said earlier, toe was crucial for most teams. Uh, it's the reason why Turkinson's sitting there in sixth on the grid for race one. Yeah. Uh, he was working together with Oliphant. Uh, unfortunately, Jordan lost his toe buddy in Stephen Jelly, uh, which mean which put him down at 14th. Which, when you're going for a title, that's that's not where you want to be. I mean, we're going to come on to it, but I thought Jordan had a particularly poor weekend all round. Although the results don't necessarily reflect that, I think mm. he had quite a poor weekend all round. And there is, of course, a 
uh, investigation pending going into Brands, but we'll get onto that into uh, race three, I think it is. Yeah, the other title hopefuls. Um, Cook was in ninth, which was okay for him. Cook hasn't we, qualified well all year, has he? He's really struggled to get this hooked up in qualifying. He struggles with the weight on board as well. Um, Ingram looking good in that Toyota in fourth. Uh, and he loves Silverstone. Yeah, reflecting what I said about PMR, reflect that ten times on uh, Speedworks with a sm- much smaller team, much smaller budget. What they've done with that car this year is incredible. Uh, Butcher down in 12th. Start of an underwhelming weekend. We'll yeah. get onto that. Uh, and Camish, the other title hopeful, starting 7th. Yeah, disappointed actually because he's been a strong qualifier all year. I was expecting at least sort of top four, top five. Especially when Matt Neal was third. Yeah, but then again, let's not forget Camish is also carrying weight, yeah. um, which Matt Neal isn't. And actually, the cars in front of him, Bar Turks, aren't carrying much weight either. No. Um, this was the closest grid of the year, being 28 drivers covered by less than a second, yeah. which it's kind of what you would expect going into the, the final stages of the, the year. People have tuned their setups, they know what to get the best out of the car, and they're getting closer to each other. Yeah, just a couple of surprises as well. Senna Proctor and Ash Sutton both in the top uh, 10, a track where you know, there was a long straight. A couple of long straights, you yeah. Know, I'm surprised at how well they, they did uh, in qualifying in, in the car. Um, and also, again, a couple of surprises further down the grid that Adam Morgan didn't have a particularly good qualifying session. Nope. Um, Michael Kane did have a respectable one down in 16th, uh, and Mike Bushell 13th, very respectable considering that this is only his second weekend in the car. Yeah, we must mention, obviously you may have seen it on our social media, that uh, Nick Hamilton mm-hmm. um, has departed from the motorbase team for the rest of the season uh, to be replaced by Kane, obviously he's been in the sport before, Yep. Uh, and... Uh, Bushel will be carrying on as he did at Knock Hill from Sam Tordoff. And in the spirit of driver announcements, it makes sense to put it in here. Dan Camish is the first uh, named driver for the grid next year, having just signed a new two year deal with two Team Dynamics. Deal. They're impressed, aren't they? Yeah, very impressed. Um, and you can see how much potential he's got. Yeah, well, as I said last time, if he wins one, he'll win a lot. Yep. Race one. Well, I think we should do this for all races this weekend. Race one started with a damp track, but all the drivers started on slicks. Yeah, damp. I'd say more greasy than damp. It was yeah, yeah it was a little bit greasy, a little bit slippery, but um, certainly not conditions for full wets. The Porsche race that came before it, there was a split of drivers on wets and slicks, and it seemed to lift a lot of the water off of the track. Yeah, they'd already rejigged with the timetable a bit as well, because Porsche was due to open the weekend, but it was deemed too wet for the Porsche, so they put the Ginettas out first uh, to try and dry the track a bit. I suppose because you smash a Porsche, it's probably more expensive to repair yep. than a Ginetta, uh, with the rights or wrongs of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you right, the, the, poor, the heavy Porsches lifted a lot of the, the you know, standing water away, and it just sort of left a sort of greasy layer for race one. Well, at the start, as we probably expected, the left-hand side of the grid on the racing line got the much better start. Yeah. Um, Smiley on the right-hand side from the front row had a poor one. Yeah, he um, just wasn't on the ball, was he? And Ingram looked very quick off the start as yep. well. Uh, as with the rear wheel drives, as we would expect. Yeah, decent start by play too as well. He he got off the line well. He parked it properly this time as well, which is always <laughs> useful. Um, and yeah, Plato did lead going into the first corner. Yep. Um, it was there wasn't much to speak about on the first lap apart from um, Robo Robotom being spun by Bordley on the yep. first lap, which was uh, ambitious move. It's, yeah. You send it down the inside, you, you've got to get stopped, really. I think if you look at the, the four hard drivers, Bordley's been the most disappointing throughout yeah. the season. I think that's a fact. Yep. Um, but you're right, it wasn't a lot of great deal uh, action on the first lap. Uh, Cook, throughout the race, made some fantastic overtakes to, to get all the way up from ninth to eventually finish fourth. Yeah, um, all he, clean. he looked very punchy. Um, yeah. And obviously we know how good that car is. And he was he was on the periphery of being in the title challenge. Yeah. But that first race really stepped him back into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as soon as Ingram got up behind Plato, we knew what was going to happen, didn't we? The yeah. way he caught him. Yeah, I mean, Ingram looked, even at the end of the first lap, the gap was, was small. Um, Plato said afterwards that you know, uh, Ingram was getting much better drive out of the final cor- uh, complex of corners. Um, and... In the end, he got past a few, a little bit of door bashing between them. Uh, a bit more at the end of the race, which we'll come to. But a fair move for me. I think yeah. that respect was given to each other. Played to put up a fight, but didn't turn him round. Ingram no. didn't push to pass, but certainly let him know he was there and coming through. 
Um, but for me, it was hard but fair racing. Yeah, as I say, in America, rubbing is racing, and there certainly was a little bit of that. Uh, one thing that did surprise me was both the Honda Uasa racing boys, they struggled on that medium they tire really in the first did. race. Yeah, Neil went backwards. Uh, Kamish dropped down to 16th from 7th yeah. um, before he fought back through, um, which I don't know whether they struggled with tire warm up because of how greasy it was. Um, tire compound, I mean. We all expected the softs to be the better option in the race one, but as Ingram proved, the mediums are probably the better option because they've yep. got the more grip coming out of some of the more greasier corners. Um, I, f- I also think that that car, although maybe it'll be proved slightly wrong in race two and three, I think it works well in the wet. I don't think it works well in that sort of quasi, not yep. dry, not wet, somewhere in the middle. I'm not sure the Halford's car runs particularly well in those conditions. Well, one that did run very well in that condition, we say we said that Morgan had a poor qualifying, but boy, did he make up for it in he race did. one. Yeah. Uh, coming from 23rd on the grid up to 9th. Yeah. It's, he almost went unnoticed as well, um, which... For what's gone on throughout the rest of the year for him, it's a really good drive from him. Well, as well, when you when you qualify that low down, you're in the pack and you're always uh, open to have uh, problems overtaking throughout the field. He didn't really get involved in any of those problems. He, he got through fairly cleanly, um, and got his business done early, uh, and just kept chipping away and moving up the field very well. Yeah, there was one small instant that he nearly came a cropper at. Um, so he was coming out of the final complex, going alongside the inside of Collard. Um, and Collard had nowhere to go, to be fair. No. Had Turkington on his outside, and Turkington got spun across the front of him and dropped him from about 13th or 14th down to 27th. To me, that was a racing incident. I yep. don't think there was any, as you say, I think it was a case of they ran out of room. You had to either expect Morgan to drive through the pit wall to get out of the way, <laughs> which isn't going to happen. Collard had nowhere to go because right. you couldn't go wide because Turkington was there. And even though it was on the straight, three into one still won't go. Um, and I think yeah, it's just a racing incident for me. One that wasn't such a racing incident. Uh, coming out of the final corner, Jordan's pushed a pass on uh, Tom Shilton. Well, uh, as I alluded to in qualifying, when I watched the races back, I counted about four or five pushed apart or potential pushed apart from Jordan this weekend. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say he's trying to go out with a bang, and yeah. he's putting it all into getting the title, which I don't necessarily blaming for but I did think his driving as a as a whole his standard really did drop this weekend mm. sloppy I'd say um, desperation you may also say uh, obviously post race he's given a 6.6 time uh, penalty, second penalty uh, for that move on Chilton dropped him two positions on the grid but he still then carried the right weight for race yeah. two uh, another um, driver who also had an incident very similar to Turkington's was Thompson uh, coming out of the final corner, nudged by Moffat. It's, it's just on that rear quarter, isn't it? You, you unsettle the car there and it's bound to go around. Particularly when it's just that little bit cold, a little bit greasy, you know, you, yeah. you've not got the same grip levels at all. Uh, Turkin did well to recover, we should give him fair props because yep. he was at the back of the grid more or less. Uh, and it took him a while to get through the pack as well. I was watching it, we were on the pit straight for the first race. Uh, and he did seem to be stuck in that pack for a fair few laps, but then he sort of just got the there were bunches of cars weren't there with yeah. a decent gap between yeah. each of the groups um, which was where he struggled to make the time up from but a good recovery drive back to 14th I say he was pretty much back in the pack at one point so a fair a fair recovery drive from him uh, something that we haven't seen this year was two drivers from the same team suffering front left punches yeah um, Proctor and Sutton both came croppers to this Proctor on lap 14 and Sutton on lap 17 yeah bizarre now their reasoning after the race came from the soft tyre being too cold and it tearing um, <sighs> it's unusual that it would happen just to them and I think it's partly a setup issue I think it's also partly the, the, the um, uniqueness of shape of the Subaru cars the only sort of half comparator is the Honda yeah, well, Sutton said, I think, on the grid for race three that he's had to drive the car in a different way. He's had yeah. to drive it hard, which puts a lot of lot of strain on those front tyres. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should also say Blundell and Jelly got together. Uh, Jelly lost uh, his bumper. Yeah. Blundell yeah. is getting more advertising for HP by being on the screen. Yeah, Jelly lost the rear end and Blundell collected him. Uh, in fairness to Blundell, it wasn't actually his fault, this accident. It was a case of Jelly spun... Blundell didn't really have anywhere to go and just yep. took his bottom off. Uh, and as we say, Camish gradually fought his way back through the field yep. and on the line just grabbed 11th position from Rob Collard. Yeah. Uh, every point counts and making up that 
tenth of a second or what whatever it was, it's going to be important at the end of the year. Yeah. Before we go to the uh, the cool down lap and the shenanigans on there, I just want to give a big shout out to Bushel. I put it a very respectable race. Oh yeah, uh, finishing seventh. You know, in a difficult conditions in a car he's not used to in a race sense. Yep. Um, and he actually didn't put a foot wrong in this race. Some nice moves, some good defending. Um, uh, it was it reminded us how good a driver he is. Uh, mm. I think we're all slightly disappointed when he lost his seat last minute because he's a you know he's a good driver. We want to see him on the grid, and we're seeing why he might or why he should be on that grid, and hopefully will be on that grid next year. Another driver of note for me in that race was Matt Simpson. Yeah, he was, um, he was good. He did okay. It's we haven't seen outstanding performances from him this season. Yes, he's been a race winner before, um, but a solid 13th and he was consistent throughout the throughout the weekend yeah, as well he, yeah he was okay well, we'll get to race three and uh, AJ there um, the cool down lap saw a few shenanigans between Ingram and Plato uh, I'm sure most of you know but obviously Plato discovered Tom Ingram some years ago and uh, put him through his, in his genetics and put him through the, uh, Plato's driving school and did do some supporting for, for Tom uh, throughout his, his rise through the ranks um, and at the end Plato Plato pulled alongside him. Uh, his reasoning afterwards was, "We're going past the BRD, uh, sorry, BRDC building, and we thought it would be good to go in formation to put on a bit of a spectacle for everybody." Uh, Plato got too close and took a wing mirror off. Now Tim Harvey, you'd have thought Plato had leant out and shot Tom Ingram in the face with a <laughs> shotgun because such was the hysteria that Tim Harvey gave to the event. Uh, Plato said afterwards that he misjudged it, and he did say that he, you know, that the invoice could be sent his way. So I think a, a mountain out of a molehill was made out of this. Ingram had a laugh in the car when it happened. Yep. A few cheeky gesticulations between the two drivers. There was no malice there at all. Not at all. Just cheeky Plato in, in his, in his sort of jubilant mood is in this year. Yeah, um, and it's good to see. Uh, we'll give you a race rundown for the fiz- finishing positions of race one. Uh, obviously we said Tom Ingram won from Jason Plato Chris Smiley kept it nice and consistent in third mm-hmm. uh, Josh, Co- Josh Cook even uh, fought through to fourth had yeah. a decent race slightly surprised Smiley didn't slow down and mm. and uh, give up the podium um, obviously Cook's in that title battle uh, I know in the end Smiley did finish three seconds up the uh, no only a second side up the road from him surprising at this stage of the season but there we go Yep, Tom Oliphant finished in fifth, followed by Matt Neal, as you said, Mike Bushell. Then Adam Morgan actually finished eighth because of Andrew Jordan's penalty after the race. Uh, Tom Shilton came next, and then finishing out the top ten was Andrew Jordan. Just before I go into the top 15, there was a suggestion that perhaps Matt Neal was slow in that race to be uh, to be backing up the pack to make Camish mm. uh, have an easier chance of coming through. It didn't overly work, but there is that alternative theory that Neal sacrificed his own race to try and back the pack up so, yeah. so Camish can get through that a little bit easier yeah. how much weight you give to that I don't know uh, talking of the top 15 and Dan Camish he came through in 11th as you said beating Kyle on the line uh, Matt Simpson Colin Turpin and Rory Butcher rounded out the top 15 Race 2 Race 2 really did test the driver's metal as uh, we started off dry and then gradually got wet as the race progressed. Um, the start was delayed because Mo- uh, Moffat's drive shaft dropped out on the formation lap, which, uh, if any of you car enthusiasts know, it's difficult to drive without a drive shaft. Yeah. Uh, it, it was quite funny as the marshals were pushing it down the road and then one marshal behind picks up this big lump of metal and I'm like, oh, that should <laughs> that's be on the why car. it doesn't move. Yeah, that should be on the car if possible. Um, and once again, Goff, who seems to have been caught out by this more than most this year, um, out of position on the grid, right in front of a marshal with a camera phone. Which, yes. Um, you know, if you're going to be be out of the grid, uh, out of the uh, position on the grid, don't do it so obviously. Although, as we will say, and I'll say again, we were sceptical at the start of the season whether they're going to keep this up throughout the season, and they have, in fairness. Have. So, fair play. It's worked really well, I think. And to be fair, that Volkswagen is a boat. It is, which made you know, good use later in the race when Indeed. it became yep. wet. Um, but yeah, fair play to the marshals and to the stewards. They've kept on that all year, and I don't think we have any complaints really, can we? No, not at all. No. Uh, the race, once it finally did get started, uh, it was fairly even at the front. Yeah. Um, all drivers got a fairly similar start. Starting in dry conditions, you would expect that. Yeah. Um, and it, it took until lap four for things to start to get interesting. Yeah, I mean Ingram had the car on rails practically all weekend until it was derailed uh, yep. with no fault of his own uh, with a incident with Plato. Um, he got away really well. To fair, Plato got away okay. Um, they all held position. Uh, Oliphant did well, started to carve his way through the field. Uh, yep. 
and then by the time it got to Plato in a position to make a move on Ingram, he got it wrong. Yes, he did. Um, slightly more notably before that, Collard slowed over the start-finish line, um, which he managed to get it back round into the pits. Not quite sure what was wrong there. Um, Sutton, as we would expect, flew off the start. Yeah. Um, managed to make up nine positions in seven laps, yeah. which we've come to expect from him now. Camish also looking very quick. Yeah, he was up for this one. No weight or very yeah, no weight at yeah. all actually. No weight, dry conditions. We know what that car can do, um, and and he proved it. Yeah, he was very quick. Uh, got through the uh, the field very nicely. Should we talk about the Plato and Ingram incident? Yes. So. Well, so, Plato's at fault, isn't he? Let's, let's get out of the way straight away. Yeah, so it started, started raining two laps before. Yep. Coming down into the final complex on lap 10, he lunges. Yes. That's probably the best word for it. The door is open in the sense that it's not completely shut. No, it's not completely it's shut. It's jar, isn't it, I think? But because of the conditions, it's a different racing line. It is, although Plato may argue that he couldn't break quickly enough <laughs> in the conditions that he would have an excuse I'm sure Ingram said after the race he didn't see him coming no which I'm not surprised it was a fair way back yeah it was um, it caused Ingram to have half spin what a catch it was held very well um, which then meant that Oliphant slipped up the inside well he did and he didn't I didn't understand this Oliphant went up the inside and took Plato out we didn't kick him out, but had Slid contact with Plato and slid Plato wide. There's yeah. enough space for two elephants to get through on the inside line. Now, I accept that perhaps he'd been caught out, uh, as we'd later see after the, the safety car, that he perhaps got caught out on wet corners, and he seemed to struggle with that yep. as soon as the rain came down. But that was bizarre. You accept the Plato one, in a sense of it was a lunge, and lunges went wrong. Yep. Plato's very much to blame. Um, but the elephant one made no sense because you could have got two cars down the inside. Yeah, bizarre. Uh, the incident between all three of them meant that the top seven closed up almost nose yeah. to tail um, and made it much more interesting. Much more interesting because then uh, Camish and Jordan got close to each other. Yes. Which would cause problems when the safety car came out. So before that, Matt Neal had a little lunge on Cook. Yep. Um, and I think it was the contact that caused the puncture. Um, and put him wide, which meant that Turkington benefited from it greatly. Yep. He didn't play a particularly good wingman this weekend, did he, Neil? Well, no. Not necessarily all his by design, no. um, but he didn't play, play a particularly good role as the man to, to win Cambridge's championship. No, he's going to have to step up um, next next time at Brands. Cause I think he will as well. He's, he's going to be needed. Um yeah. Although, if, in fairness, if you've got to pass somebody on the grid, the people you don't want to have to pass, Rob Collard, Jason Plato, Matt Neal, they're the, yep, the, the three people you do not want to be getting passed for a place because they are going to yep. give you nothing, regardless of whether it affects their season or not. You're not getting past them easy. And because of the greasy conditions, uh, cars seem to be going off left, right and centre. Yep. Butcher and Jackson came together in turn one. Uh, a completely optimistic move from Butcher that kind of summed up his weekend for me. Yeah. Um, which put him Under out of the par. race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Morgan was tapped he going was. into the complex at the bottom of the circuit, which sent him spinning into the gravel, which then caused the safety car. I thought, yeah, I thought he was tapped. And that safety car didn't come out straight away. No, I think as the which... rain worsened, they decided to get it out because Morgan. There was the high possibility of more cars slipping off. Yes. Uh, was it was it Jordan that tapped Morgan? don't think so. Okay, I can't remember who it um, was. But it, it was a weird decision because they, the car was in a dangerous position for me. On the outside of that corner, if someone gets tapped, that's where you're going to. But that's suppose, why there's a gravel trap there. But I suppose you could do it under yellows initially until it, the conditions got so bad that... Well, they, they were looking to see whether they could move the car by pushing it, and they yep. couldn't. And then a lap later, the safety car gets called. Yeah. And coming... Because they have this thing where you have to race until you see the safety car board... The first safety car board that was seen by the leader was the start-finish line. Yeah. Now, the top two, three, fine. They 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 get up up front, and there's no issue with them. Oliphant followed by Ingram. And then Plato pushed Camish wide, which means that Turkington got into third. Jordan then tried to follow him through. Couldn't. But Camish got the better run out of the corner yep. and was fractionally, absolutely fractionally ahead of him but Plato, going across the line. But Plato was ahead of them both going across yes. the line. Um, and the the closeness between 
Camish and Jordan was what oh, caused dear. the handbags at midnight. Yeah, so a few things on this. Plains didn't help matters by back... He, he was laughing like a Cheshire cat, I'm sure. Yeah, he didn't he help matters because he completely <laughs> dropped off Turks and just backed those two up completely <laughs> and let them fight behind him. Yeah. Um, and also, we have timings. We have live timings at the event, which we can get on our phones. Well, they have them now on the actual screens. Yeah. Um, which I think is an excellent addition, by the way, BTCC, because we've been shouting for that for yep. a couple of years now. Yep. And we can see a live timing as they come across the line and we saw that Camish was in front. So, why had BMW and why had Dynamics, assuming they hadn't been on the radio, and both had said, no, Camish is ahead, back off. Or It should never got to the point where they started fighting each well, other. It took them at least two laps yeah. to sort it out, didn't and, it? And some rubbing. And you can't do that under safety car. There's a reason that the safety car's out, and that is to ensure the safety of the marshals yeah. and the accident that has absolutely, happened. Absolutely. Um, and while we both like both the drivers involved, I think they both disgraced themselves a little bit under it. I, I can't defend Kamish coming, uh, uh, tapping Jordan no. over the safety car. That's well, He's made his reasons. He said that yeah, he feels he's made a scapegoat, but at the end, the, the, the salient facts are he did hit Jordan under the safety car. Yep. And as a consequence of that, he was given a £1,500 fine yeah. and six six points I think so, yeah. on his licence. If you're carrying, you just use your head a bit. If, if if it turns out that Jordan shouldn't have been there, he's going to be fined afterwards and drop points and given a penalty afterwards. Just yeah. don't lose your head. Go, OK, I'm not going to fight this. You, you score for half a lap until the team comes home with the radio. They still haven't come on it. Use your head. Back off. So fine. You have the position. Yeah. I think I'm right. If I am right, which I think I am, it will be dealt with afterwards. Yep. What ensued was pathetic between the pair of them. Consequently, under the safety car, the rain got a lot heavier. Yep. Uh, and being under safety car conditions, they weren't able to keep temperature in the tyres. No. And that was very notable in the rear-wheel drive. Particularly on the restart, where I did feel for Oliphant. Uh, obviously, as the lead of the race, he is mm. feeling the grip into the first corner. Yep. Uh, NB, there was none. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he squirted. I mean, we were standing, as I said, on that bank for the second race. Mm. And it was particularly noticed with the BMWs. They were so twitchy through that first yep. corner. They were You couldn't see it on the TV screen as well, obviously. They were so, so twitchy. Uh, and Oliphant twitched, ran wide. And Ingram, who he loves these conditions, doesn't he? Does. He's so good. It's the reason that he went for slicks or wets on a slick track or whatever combination yeah. it was when he got it wrong. It's because he know he knows he can do it. Oh, I'll never forget the race of Snetton last year, back in the grid first. Yeah. Just he is something else in these conditions and he, he that car looks so stable going through the complex as well. Um Camish is another one who looks very good in the conditions and actually surprisingly Turk did quite well to hold the yes, car. He did. I think the experience told there. Although He's a bit easier on the throttle than the other two, I think. He is, and uh, although again, he was very, very twitchy for that first corner. Um, yeah, I was quite surprised by how much difference there was between the front wheel drive and the rear wheel drive in the wet. Um, front wheel drive uh, drivers were loving it, yeah, um, and many of them were making progress and were quite disappointed when the race was eventually stopped on yeah, that twenty. Yeah, I mean. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a happy Christmas. But I do think if we had the race distance, Cameron should have won. Yes. He was, he was looking so quick. Yeah. Um, but just, he didn't. Just after the safety car came in, there was a incident on the restart between Bordley and Blundell. Yeah. Um, Bordley was hit by Blundell. I don't know whether he outbraked himself or just ran out of talent. Um, but it broke a rear toe link, which put Bordley straight out of the race. Yeah. Uh, second incident of the weekend for Blundell. It's some weekends he has these issues in near enough every race. Yeah, it's disappointing because he had shown progress at Knock Hill and we've gone back a step here. Um, although he did go on to get points in race three. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things that it's always the same couple of drivers that seem to get into these conditions uh, and positions. Um, although safety cars breed safety cars. Yep. Um, as we said, race got ended early on lap 20 mm. uh, five laps from the end Yeah, uh, and the classification was obviously then put back a lap and it stood as follows Tom Ingram won the race uh, from Colin Turkerton followed by Dan Camish Jason Plato was in fourth uh, followed by Josh Cook and Chris Smiley Tom Oliphant dropped all the way back to seventh after running wide uh, followed by Andrew Jordan Mike Bushell Another strong race from him. Well, considering the change of conditions, I thought he did very well. Yep, and followed 
followed by Matt Simpson in the same shaped car. Yep, uh, rounding at the top 15, Ash Sutton on a recovery drive did very, very well and fortuitously would be on pole, having had the grid reversed from 11th. Uh, Michael Kane, another solid performance from him, yep. points, good good position. Uh, Bobby Thompson did very well uh, to finish 13th with Ollie Jackson and Senna Proctor rounding up the top 15. One thing of note, this win for Ingram meant that it was five wins for him at Silverstone in four years, Yeah, which is impressive. And the other thing that also impressed me is that he had four wins in that Toyota this year. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Um, which for a new car, we all thought, ah, oh, yeah, it's going to be a development season. Uh, he said that himself. Yeah. Um, and then we got to Snetterton and we were like, oh, hello. Yeah. Um, I think it's remarkable, um, we'll probably touch on it more later on, that going into the final weekend, he's still mathematically charged yeah. for a title. I, that, his talent is ridiculous. It astounds some people, doesn't it? Well, I don't think any of us saw him in a title battle this year. No. So he certainly didn't. And no. We say title battle loosely because it requires a hell of a lot of luck to oh, go yeah. for him. And I don't think the stars are the line that way. Never say never in motorsport. Mm. Um, but equally, the fact he's even there or thereabouts this year is remarkable. We look at the sort of people he's ahead of. Yeah. You noted to me after the race that you saw Andy Jordan get out of the car and yeah. he, he was a rather funny shade of red. He went straight to the Honda garage to yeah. remonstrate with the um, Honda engineer uh, and basically asked what the insert expletives was going on. Was going on. Um, I saw a piece as we reviewed it there. They're both as bad each other. They're both experienced race drivers. They're not newbies in the sport. Grow up. Um, between them they should have just decided that okay I'm going to sit back and we'll just see what happens on the restart the pair of them grow up I was pleasantly pleased by how calm and relaxed he seemed when he had his interview on the grid for race 3 yeah. in the end um, he seemed not happy but it got dealt with I think it's fair to so they probably both got a rollicking in the stewards office afterwards and probably by their own team as well yes most certainly race 3 Race 3 reminds me of a uh, ska band uh, from the 80s and onwards. Uh, madness. Oh, oh, sorry. I wonder where you're going with that. Madness. Utter, <laughs> utter madness. It's kind of what we expect from Race 3, but it was just with a pinch of rain. I can attest it was more than a pinch <laughs> of rain. It came in diagonally and it came at an angle, so I looked like two-faced by the end. Half me was dry, half me was soaking and absolutely freezing. Well, on the grid, it was drizzling. It wasn't on the grid walk. Really? It wasn't on the grid walk. No, because our grid walk was race three. It wasn't drizzling whilst we were on the grid. It started to drizzle as we made our way to the grandstand. So once we were off the grid, the rain properly started. Before the race, there was rain in the air. We had a short, sharp shower. Uh, And going on to the grid itself, it was cold. There was rain in the air, but it wasn't raining on the grid. Which is the reason that as they started the formation lap, all drivers were on slick tyres. Yes. At the end of the formation lap, there were two drivers that came in. Yep. Bordley and Goff. Bordley, yep. for a different issue, was a mechanical problem. Yep. But Goff made the decision to switch to wet. So I have a question here. Go on. Uh, I loathe to compare touring cars to F1. Here we go. I don't know. I, 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 it's, a, it's a good question. In F1, we mm. see on the pit board some nerd with big glasses on and a pen pointing at the map, looking at where the weather's coming from and getting all... You know, tense that there's rain half an hour away yep. to, to the north and Germany's got a bit of rain in Dusseldorf so how's that going to affect the Hungarian Grand Prix etc it strikes me as odd that nobody seems to look at the weather forecast for this one <laughs> because even the most basic of a map would have shown uh, that's not swear a massive black cloud over there that was only going one way it, it just surprised me that so many teams got caught out by this because it wasn't like it was glorious sunshine on the grid to begin with and it came over with one of those amazing English storms were out of absolutely nowhere it came it was dark on the grid there were clouds I sent you a picture and you went there's some nice big clouds behind you yep. I'm just slightly surprised that it seems the touring cars lag behind on that particularly in England where it is unpredictable um, and also you look think of some of the big teams that are here I don't necessarily expect and with no disrespect Matt Simpson to be having exciting mm. weather formations uh, technology at his garage but I imagine they have one a, of these a phone, a phone yeah. and it, the phone where you can literally get a live rain update of where it's drawing across the country and the percentage chance of it hitting and exactly. it is fairly accurate on these phones yep. um, it was pretty well sort of accepted by most of us that there was going to be rain at some point in this race yeah everyone got caught out and I'm slightly surprised yes well as we said Goff came in put yes. the wets on uh, race started 
and decent start from Sutton. Yep. And then coming out of Cops, somehow Simpson got an amazing drive yes. and got in front of him. See, this is this is frustrating because he has got a talent and he's capable of these little runs. Although in this scenario, I feel desperately sorry for him because there was, he did nothing wrong in this. <laughs> no, he didn't. Nothing wrong at all. Jordan, as we said earlier, got a little bit feisty. Yeah. Uh, he got feisty in race two, actually, which we didn't cover, where him and Turpin had a couple of comings together. Um, they did in this one as well. They, well, they did, yes, we'll get to that. Uh, for me, Jordan just punts Simpson off. I, I, I can't... I, it, it sounds simplistic. I can't think of another way to describe it. He punts him off. His rear quarter has been nudged, and as we said it's in the previous... It's not been nudged. It's not been nudged. As we said in the previous race, it's always going to unsettle the car in front, and he's been spun across the front of him. A nudge? It's like a slight little tap. Oh, look, what's going over there? This was a battery. <laughs> this was the... Uh, my opinion of Jordan has suffered a little bit this weekend, I have to say. I thought his driving was on the, over the edge at some points. Second par. Yeah, I think it's because we're so used to him setting such a good example. And obviously he had his big crash earlier at Donington. We want to talk about the standard of driving, etc. It just seems a little bit... Chris Chris got this week, weekend, but there we go. Well, one thing that did excite me was lap two, going into Cops. There were six cars, two rows, three wide. Yes. How did everyone get through? I think, and I'm going to again sound a little bit snobby, it was six of the better drivers who knew mm. how to race in those scenarios. Let's not do anything ridiculous here, you know. Well, they certainly used the outer limits of um, Cops Corner, they didn't did. they? They did, um, but as I say, I think... I think respect was the reason that no one went off there um, and a, a huge portion of luck as well I imagine coming down into the final complex at the end of lap 2 though uh, we just cut to a camera and Ingram is slowly trundling down the Wellington Strait yeah he had contact uh, with Collard I believe Yeah, uh, and that's not the first time those two have come together uh, and it was a shame because I say up to that point Ingram had done nothing wrong this weekend and I was also really interested to see there's a little thing in the back well of my mind thinking that he might do the hat trick mm. because in those conditions oh anything's possible and he did then go on to pick quite early for wets as well yeah I, again if ifs and buts but I, I think if we're going to have a hat trick winner this is one of the best chances we're going to get oh, to yeah. have it in those conditions but, most definitely yeah. um, you may have to catch me up a little bit because I had a power cut at home you did, you did indeed yeah. and I was like oh god what's happening and then it came back and there was a safety car there was a safety and car and I didn't know why I'm still fairly sure the safety car was for, for Simpson. Okay. Uh, I think it was the same reason we had in race two, that as the rain got harder, mm. it was deemed to be more dangerous. Now, this is where I have a problem. I have a big problem here. It's the consistency in, in this. And it was going to be my AB, but it fits in quite nicely here. Well, it's an open forum. Share your problems. It is indeed. It's hardly my forum. <laughs> I like. Race two, we saw the race finish early because there were too many cars on slicks in worsening conditions. Yes. These conditions were comfortably ten times worse. Yes. Comfortably. The rain was sheets. It was horizontal. I'd stop texting you because I couldn't... <laughs> my phone wouldn't pick up my thumbprint because there was yep. too much water on the screen. Most of the field was still running slicks at this point. Yeah. The rain wasn't going away. Yep. Surely, the, the best thing to do in that situation is you red flag it, you say everyone's got to go in and get wets on and restart the race from the original positions on the grid. Well, the uh, so we've seen that done in the past. The safety car gave a good middle ground to that, I think. So it gave, I disagree. It gave drivers the opportunity to come in, which a, I disagree. a decent proportion of the field did. I, it gave the drivers a chance to gamble. If you're in the top five, it, I don't think it gave you a chance to gamble. You couldn't gamble that way. Mm. I think if you're Dan Camish leading, uh, or up in the top five... Sutton came in from... Second, it was because Cook had got into the lead. Certain also had a problem though. He it slowed. Certain had slowed prior to coming into the pit. He'd already lost places prior to coming into the pit. Well, he was fastest car on track at the end of the day. At the end of the day, he was. Um, Plato also came in. Yep. Um, along did as long uh, along with Turkington, Chilton, Moffat, Neil, Smith, Thompson, Crees, Blundell, Oliphant, and Jordan. I would say that half the people you've mentioned there were uh, backgrounders normally, mm. and the other half had already. Uh, they needed to gamble because rear-wheel drive BMWs in the wet. You might as well gamble at that yeah, point. Yeah, a um, notable amount of those are rear-wheel drive. Yeah, I, I personally think that if you're Dan Camish, you can't risk a pit stop. Yeah, and I just, I just think that if we're going to have, I understand why the red flag came out race. To understand it, it was very wet, yeah. and the cars were struggling on slicks. 
this was worse, and I therefore don't quite understand. With only a couple of laps of the race gone, you could quite easily red flag and go right over in the pit. We're going to have a 10-minute turnaround with the wet wets go on. We're going to start where uh, where the uh, qualifying, sorry, where the original grid was, because it was not too far into the race to make that a problem. Nothing dramatic had happened apart from obviously Simpson wouldn't be starting uh, at the front, and then it'd been a safer race, but it would then admittedly wouldn't have led to but the spectacle. Yeah, it would. I'm being boring because it would have yes. taken it. It would have taken away. <laughs> A fantastic win for Team Hard. It had taken away a good second for Moffat in the Infinity, and it would have taken. Yeah, it would have been boring in comparison. But I just don't understand the, the inconsistency. So once the safety car came back in, Goff was in fourteenth, yep. and he was the first of the wet runners. Uh, and once they got onto their flying laps, there was a two-second lap difference between that and the slick runners. There was, but it was weird, though, wasn't it? Because it didn't. The first couple of laps after the safety car wasn't a great deal of difference, and then it just suddenly clicked. Where suddenly, about he gradually, just fought his way through the field. Him and Moffat were fighting with each other whilst fighting through the yep. field as well, which made for an excellent battle. Um, Moffat had a seat of the pants moment, shall we yes. say, yep. coming through cops. And somehow managed to catch it after doing a three sixty, and then just keep on driving and not lose effectively a position. No, he just lost the ability to take on Goff. Yes, uh, Goff had won the race by that. Uh, after that instant, Goff won the race basically, yeah. uh, subject to any mistakes he made, uh, which he didn't. Um, and yeah, we gradually saw slick runners struggle more and more. Mm-hmm. Although one person that did surprise me was Hill. Yeah, he Hill was able to fight through to be the first of the slick runners, yeah. followed by Kamish. Yeah, um, which was something that we probably haven't seen from him before. No, and Cook stayed on slicks as well. He struggled and started to fall away. Um, I have to say, I thought um, both Hill and Kamish did an admirable job trying to keep those cars going on the slicks. I'm slightly surprised Hill didn't gamble. No, not being a quote front runner. The, um, the only thing that I would say as a caveat for that was Blundell had come in as well. Yeah. So when you've got to do both cars from the same team, yeah, yeah. Then, then you may struggle for the space. I argue there was enough time in the safety car to get both done, yeah. as hard proved. But yeah. I mean, look, we're nitpicking. Hill, very well way of said, no, it's okay. Because to be fair, if the race had been stopped at lap 20 like the other one had been, Cowish mm. wouldn't have finished so far back. Because no. it, it just came a point in the last five laps or so where those slicks just died. So as the slick runners fell back through the field, we eventually ended up with Goff at the front, followed by Moffitt, followed by Neil, who, in relation to that, Goff started 21st, yeah. Moffitt started 29th, and Neil started 28th. Yeah. And when, <laughs> when you gamble, that's that's what you want. <laughs> except to Neil happen. still, except Neil still moaned that they were a lap too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a little disappointed in Neil again. Though. Half and half. He didn't really slow down behind Camish. He had too I'm much not pace sure. on those wet tyres. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because if you go any slow on those wet tyres, they're going to cool off and they're just not going to be grippy. And you're going to be in the same boat with both cars. Does Neil need it to be grippy? My, my complete hardcore line says, if Neil slowed down for two laps and held body back a few more laps mm. um, and then ultimately spun off, is it the end of the world? I suppose it is for their team point yes. of view. What do they prefer, a team championship or a champion? I don't know. Both. Yeah, and that's what they're always going to Yeah, I suppose that's a good answer as well. Um, Morgan and Plato came together. This is going to be looked at at Brands. Is it? Yes. Um, as far as I'm aware, poor from Plato. I can't defend them on this one. I've defended them quite a, uh, a lot this this season and indeed this weekend. Yep. Poor. Yeah. Poor. It was a fairly fairly similar incident um, as to what happened with Ingram. And with uh, Simpson and Jordan. Yes. Um, Cook and Camish also came together at Cops. It was that was a silly move for me, um, yeah, which broke Cook's toe link and put him straight out of the race. Lap eighteen, not long left. You're both on slick tyres. You're both struggling. You're not yeah. going to ground the outside of Camish at Cops. It's as simple as that. And you're both looking to stay in the title race. Yeah, I'm not too sure what Cook was trying to get out of that. No. Um, Jordan Turkington, as you said earlier, was scrapping for minimal points. Yeah. And they gradually worked their way through because they were on the wet tyres. Yeah. But they were having a good old ding dong. Uh, Turkson's front became brown <laughs> yes. after Jordan put him through the grass. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Jordan made some comments saying, you know, they're going to race hard. Obviously, BMW wants to race fairly, but, you know, he wants to win the championship. I'm starting to get the impression there's not a lot of love lost between Jordan and the WSR. No, um, I think he knows he's going. Yeah. Um, 
So I think there's sort of like put everything on the line and go for it. If it doesn't come off, oh well, he's going anyway. If it does come off, wonderful. I'm probably still leaving. Um, if you're looking for a shot of comfort for Kamish, he obviously ended up finishing a lot further down than he might have done. He'll now have slightly less weight going into Brands and Turkton. Yep. Um, and that could be absolutely crucial, couldn't it? Yes, it could. Um, in the last three laps of that race, it really hurt the slick runners. Up yeah. until then, they would have just about crept through and been in respectable positions. Yeah. But Hill slipped down to 11th, followed by Kamish in 12th. Yeah. Um, and that really did hurt them. It did, although as we said, let's not take away from the spectacle. Oliphant, who was the first BMW to go into the pits for Wets, so they gambled with him first. He finished fourth, did very well. Chilton, who had a bit of a meh weekend again, at least got a good point in fifth. And then yeah, the story of the weekend, Jack Goff, Michael Kreese, Bobby Thompson, all three in the top um, ten. I don't think we've ever seen the Volkswagen score that well, no. uh, that consistently. Obviously, the first win for Team Hard, uh, which I'm incredibly happy about, because Hard do a lot for... Motorsport, motorsport, not just BTCC, yeah. they do a lot for motorsport, uh, they do a lot for helping trying to get people through the various divisions and for them to get a win is, is fantastic. Yeah, as you said, Jack Goff finished first, followed by Aidan Moffitt and Matt Neal, Oliphant in fourth, followed by Chilton and Plato, uh, Turkington and Jordan finally sorted it out between them and finished seventh and eighth, followed by Michael Kreese in ninth and Bob Thompson in tenth. I thought Kreese gave them a good runner for their money as well, oh, didn't he? Did. he? Yeah. He was happy to be fighting them, he was, you know, elbows out, he was, uh, yeah. Good, good racing. Uh, Jake Hill and Dan Camish, 11th and 12th. Mark Blundell scored good points yep. uh, in 13th. Uh, had a fairly good actually race. Went under the radar, but race sensibly did well in the wets. Rob Smith, really good finish for him. Points. points. Yes. Everyone scored a point apart from Hamilton, but as he's not going to complete the season, I think we can be fairly happy. Yeah. Uh, and then Ashley Sutton, 15th. Didn't get the car working after the, after the wets went on. Well, he, he came in a lap later than everyone else yep. who made that bulk stop yeah. and that really hurt him because it put him a lap down and yeah. then he had to fight back through but his final sector was the quickest of the race yeah uh, respectable finishes by uh, Busher and Kane again just on the cusp of the points yeah. uh, and Card it's just not been his weekend has it no as we've said a couple of times this season yeah be interesting to see if he's at PMI next year So, time to look at the standings then, and Sam was incredibly busy during this while I was sunning myself at Silverstone and getting various quick fit bags. Uh, you were doing mathematics. I was totting up as each race went on. I'm glad you said totting. Uh, so, at the start of the weekend, there was a 10 points difference between Turkerton and Jordan, Kamish a point further behind, and then Cook, Butcher, and Ingram were a fair way off of yep. those three as well. After race one, it tightened up nicely. Uh, four points between Turkington and Jordan, um, a further four points back to Camish, and then Cook made a, a huge leap with his yep. with his race one finish, um, and was then a further eleven points behind that. Butcher poor race, only scored one point all weekend. Yeah, he's effectively out of the running now. <coughs> he is, and Ingram with his win, it it properly shifted him up yep. into contention. Uh, and then in race two, it, the gaps changed again. Camish then went ahead of Jordan by three points. Yep. Was then ten points behind Turkington, who had that second place finish. Ingram, another win, boosted him again, put him above Butcher. And uh, Cook also had another strong finish, was only twelve points behind Jordan. And now, as we finish the weekend, it shifted again. It has. And now we find... That Turkington, still in the lead, yes. will carry maximum ballast into Brands on 297 points. Yeah. A 16-point lead from it's, Dan Kamish in second. It's quite big. It is rather large. Um, and it's it's going to say something to overturn it. Something's got to go wrong in at least one of the races for Turkington. Or rain. Or rain, yes. Because we have seen... Not only rear wheel drive, but we have seen BMW struggle at Brands Hatch in the wet constantly. I was reminded earlier of, of uh, Matt Jackson's little incident at Brands Hatch where he caused 11 car pile up a mm. few years ago in the rain. We shall see. I won't mind if it rains as long as we've got the tent packed away. I won't mind if it rains in the morning when we're up and fed. Yes. If it rains exactly. in the night, we're, I'm going to be, we're camping by the way, just in case people are wondering. <laughs> you know. uh, a further point back is Andrew Jordan on 280. 
And then another 17 points behind that is Josh Cook on 263. And as you said earlier, Tom Ingram still mathematically in the title race with 236. Yeah, I mean, if Tom Ingram wins this championship, I will eat a Tom Ingram hat. Lovely. We can put it into a pancake. I'll eat a Tom Ingram hat because it's... (laughs) It's great he's there, but I think uh, everyone knows it's it is a free horse race, realistically speaking, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, in but, the manufacturers, it's a probably commanding lead now for BMW. Yeah, seven, 36. 730 points uh, to Honda's 694. And then I think the battle's probably over between Vauxhall and Subaru. 5.52 for Vauxhall, followed by 5.06 for Subaru. I think both those teams have struggled, but only having one consistent driver scoring... Yep. Consistently this season, haven't they? Uh, team standings. Yes, yeah, things have changed. Yes, massively. Uh, Halfords UASA Racing, 475 points, followed by Team BMW, who have dropped off a fair amount this weekend, yeah, down to 453. BTC, BTC Racing have confirmed their place pretty much in third, uh, with 388 followed by Cobra Sport, AMD, AutoAid, RCRB Insurance, with 379. Brief. Thank you. Uh, moving on to the independent drivers now. Yeah, so Josh Cook leads this. Uh, he had a very good weekend uh, where he opened up a gap over Butcher, who was quite poor. Uh, but it is really between those two now. Uh, there is a 20-point gap, more or less. I can't do maths. 22. Thank you. Uh, and then Tom Chilton on 289 third. Uh, there's a chance Jake Hill might sneak past him, you know? Yeah, he could do. Um, Tom has had a couple of bad weekends this this year, yeah. and there's nothing to say that he could struggle again. I'd argue second half of the season has been very poor for Chelsea, yep. actually. And Hill has been my surprise of the year, I think. Oh, OK. Uh, my opinion has changed. We'll get to that on the full review pod. Oh, good. The independent teams, then. Uh, this is much closer. Yes. Uh, Cobra Swar and Dior and Arsenal about insurance. Uh, are on 435 in the lead. Can I do the maths on this one? Followed so- by BTCC... BTC Racing, which are uh, on 431, so a seven, no, sorry, a four-point gap there, uh, and then they're too far ahead for me of Team Shredded Wheat with Galha, which are on 376, and then Trade Price Cars nicely topping out the top four. I mean, they'll be happy. They'll be happy with that because they're ahead of Mac Tools, which is Morgan and Robottom. I mean, yep. the, Trade Price would be happy with that, you know. Yep. Uh, the Jack Sears Trophy, obviously for drivers that hadn't scored a podium before this year. Uh, unassailable. It's only eleven points, I suppose. Points. Uh, if if Butcher's the same weekend he did this weekend, yeah, that's then true. Oliphant's right there. Oliphant has been getting stronger throughout the season. Yep. Um, um, and if it stays dry, then he's well in with a shout yep. taking that home. I think Bobby Thompson will take third. I don't see Robottom having the storm barnstormer he needs to get uh, the third position. No, not at all. Uh, that'd be good for Bobby Thompson. Um, back to the driver standings. As we said earlier, all drivers that are finishing the season have scored points yeah I don't want to lay into him when he's when a man's down but uh, Nick Hamilton it was slightly disappointing for him it's disappointing for him I imagine even more so that Michael Caine's come in and done what he couldn't do all season and get points straight off the bat yes and that Mike Bushell is already ahead of people I mean that's got a stick in the throat but I think the biggest disappointment is and we'll come to this when we do the review final review is Dan Rowbottom there has only got four points this year yeah. we expected more didn't we yes we did and the fact that Mike Bushell is comfortably ahead of him after only racing two weekends one of which is the right off anyway not yep. kill you know but let's not lay into anybody that's what the review podcast is for so we'll come back to that yeah I think we should get on to our awards for the weekend yes we should Well, moving on to our awards for the weekend, uh, I think we should start with Driver of the Day. Yeah, I think with the, we'll run through this quite quickly for, because for a ch- uh, change we actually seem to agree. Uh, Tom Ingram for me, two superb races, had that car on rails until he was unceremoniously derailed, uh, and for that reason he didn't put a foot wrong. No, he, he was excellent in both wet, damp dry conditions, he, he just seems so quick in that car. And I'll say it again, I think if he hadn't been had the contest in race three, he may have won all three. Yep, quite quite comfortably probably as well, if you've made so. the right gamble at the right time. Yep. Uh, team of the weekend? I mean, we're going to be sentimental, but... It has to be team hard, simply for making that decision in race three. Yes, it's a gamble, but sometimes gambles come off and we have these freak winners. Yeah, um, 
great for them to get their first win on the board. Uh, but also triple point score in race yes. three. Creasy and uh, actually Thompson's been good all season. He's been yeah, consistent he all season. He's scored points to them all season. Um, I'm, I'm happy for them all. I'd prefer Creasy to got the win just because <laughs> I think we can all agree he's fantastic. He would have gone absolutely mental, wouldn't he? I think the paddock would have probably stormed the uh, <laughs> pit if he had as well. But I mean, look, great weekend for Team Hard, isn't it? Rewards them for what they put into motorsport. Yes, certainly. And they link nicely into my surprise of the day. That race three, for them to come in and do that, Goff and Moffat, mm-hmm. for Moffat to make that call in a car that he's never driven in the wet before yep. um, and to come through first and second, Goff and Moffat, they were my surprise. Well, other than the weather, which is my main yep. surprise, uh, Kane and Bushel, uh, you know, constantly changing conditions throughout all three races. Two drivers that are experienced, yes, but not this season. Race rusty. Mm. If one of them had turned themselves round in the wet, you'd have gone, well, you, you're not maybe surprised they've not raced a car for however no. long. But they both did very well, scored good points. And we said, they're, you know, Bushel's comfortably going to finish on double points, which is yep. what some drivers haven't managed who've done it all season. Neither of them really put a foot wrong for me. No, and that unfortunately links into my villain day quite nicely, um, which was Rory Butcher. Yeah, I agree. He just seemed to have a weekend where nothing seemed to go right for him. He was un- outdone by Bushel in nearly every race yeah. um, and it completely derailed his title challenge that he was still very much a part of coming into the weekend yeah 100% I couldn't agree with you more he did, didn't have the pace since he did the race craft shown up a bit by Bushel um, considering and as you say he's completely out of the contention now which is a shame but equally coming into the season to even be this far in and to have been a contender he'd have taken I'm sure um, but yeah I couldn't agree with you more Two pieces of AOB from me, if I may. Go on then. First of all, thank you to everyone who has left a review, uh, advertised us, put comments on the Facebook, Instagram, other Facebook groups. As you might have picked up, it's just the two of us. We're not on a big budget. We're on an Amazon microphone. We, yep. we both have full-time jobs. We work. Uh, we do this in our spare time. So for anyone who listens and sort of advertises us, thanks very much. It really is appreciated. Yeah, the, the excitement there was when I got an email notification to say that someone had recommended us on Facebook or left a review on I think Podbean and iTunes and iTunes it was like yes we've we've got some people that are interested in it that are willing to listen to us and any feedback that you want to give us whether it's good or bad we're, we're welcome to hear it yeah you've got obviously we put the social details at the end but yeah if you could just keep telling your friends tell someone and they'll tell someone in the way the Peter Crouch podcast grew yep. hopefully we can go again but yeah we're not a big setup we're not fancy we're in a spare bedroom which is a little bit echoey we have to have the windows shut in the summer otherwise the outside comes in so we burn to death um but yes, thank you very much for everyone out there who is helping support us. It, it means the world. And if you do see us walking around that brands, obviously we're going to be there on the Sunday. Feel free to come and say hello. Yeah, um, absolutely. We are fairly friendly. And if you want to put your view for the final review podcast of the season, we'll happily take a soundbite. We're yep. more than happy to do that. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes at brands. Go back to the racing. My OB then. It's fairly straightforward. Five drivers, one title. Who takes it, Sam? Oh... With the way that things have panned out this weekend, um, I think Colin has had his bad weekends now, and I think that 16-point lead will be unassailable, but it will go down to the final race. It will be in the dusk, some gradually setting over brands, had a bit of rain during the day, possibly, um, and I, th- I think he will just take it. I think you're right. However, I like statistics. I like graphs. And the Rise of Dan Camish graph that's been doing the rounds on the uh, BTCC media. That'll be the today. one that I sent you earlier. <laughs> it will be. There's one more place he's not been so far. Yep. And that's top of the tree. Um, and his growing consistency, I think less weight he'll have in the car. I think Matt Neal is a more reliable wingman than Tom Oliphant will be. Yep. Um, I think that if it gets to a situation where, and we had it last year, where Turkton had a problem and ended up in the mid pack, and it was only really that Ingram couldn't capitalise that um, stopped him from. Uh, being punished if that happens he qualifies badly we've seen how close qualifying can be a lot's going to come down to qualifying yep. we know Carriage is strong at that and Turkton is good but if he ends up in the mid-pack which has happened to the BMWs a couple of times this season there's certain, said earlier, there's certain drivers you're going to be getting past and they're the rookies and they're the old school but there's anybody in between mm. because they're not going to get out of the way so if Dan's going to win it for you who's going to finish second and third uh, Turkton Jordan yeah yeah 
Yeah. Uh, if Ingram can sneak fourth, I think he'll be incredibly happy with that. And I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. I think it seems it seems trite to say it's going to come down to the qualifying for the first race. That is beyond important. Yeah. Um, because the last thing you want to be doing is getting in a midfield scrap when you're trying to win a title. Yeah. You know, you've got no chance to put it right. Um, and as I say, if you've got a situation where Turkey needs to get past Neil, don't be surprised if Turkey's in the gravel trap. <laughs> Fairly or unfairly. Um, <laughs> I just don't see Oliphant offering the same service to Jordan or Turkington. But we'll see. I think, yeah, I think if I was to put money on it, I'd go Turkington. <laughs> but right, Camish off at your peril. Well... I'm very much looking forward to going down there. Yeah, me too, Matt. Um, I've been to Brands one one time before, um, when Matt Jackson was still racing in the BMW. Um, so it's been a long while since I've been down there, but I am very much looking forward to it. I reckon he'll be at Team Art next year, by the way. Okay. Matt Jackson, I reckon he'll go Team Art. But we'll see. Uh, my first time at Brands coming up, so I'm looking forward to breaking my Brands duck. So, see you there. Will do. Remember to subscribe, follow and also share our podcast for more touring car updates. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by just searching for BTCP, British Touring Car Podcast. And you can also contact us there or on our email at btccpod at gmail.com. 